Welcome to the Registered Investment Advisor Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their financial service firms, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by John Morris and Michael Ecton of Crestwood Advisors. John co-founded Crestwood in 2003 and serves as a wealth manager and managing partner. Michael co-founded Crestwood in 2003 and serves as a CEO and a managing partner, as well as one of the firm's portfolio managers. John, Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Good to be here. Thank you. Let's go back in time a little bit. What inspired you both to co-found Crestwood back in 2003. Let's see. Well, I think if I'll start, it, um, the catalyst for my client was we had two choices. One, we could stay with a large uh, multi-client family office and continue our careers, be very comfortable, or two, take the risk and go out on our own and build a firm where we would want to serve, where we would want to be clients, where we could bring a level of depth and expertise across both asset management, but broader wealth advisory that was not presently met in the market. And that for us was at that time, just Boston uh, proper. Michael, what weren't you happy with where you were? Well, I mean, anyone who, who leaves and, and, and jumps out on this adventure has got a laundry list of things they weren't happy about. But at the end of the day, there was, uh, I think the model on which we were pursuing before was, was not particularly contemporary. We weren't able to serve the types of clients that we wanted to serve. We felt there was a bit of a, a lack of engagement with the clients and one in which we felt clients very much needed and wanted in a relationship. And, and what we were striving to provide was a much more engaged relationship with our clients where we could really get to know them and serve them the best way possible. Now, you mentioned you weren't able to serve who you wanted at the level that you wanted. Who is an ideal client for you? The, the ideal client that at that time and is still is today is uh, the entrepreneur. So first generation wealth, uh, he or she has made the capital themselves, usually in an industry segment that is around tech or life sciences, real estate, but where they have a close connection to their capital and they'd like to work with a firm that also understands that unique entrepreneurial sort of mindset and the desire to be brought along in the process rather than be saying, rather than perhaps at our other firm or other large firms where you say, we've got this, we'll take it from here. We want the client engagement and the involvement. What does an ideal relationship in terms of engagement, what does that look like to you? Well, they're, they're quite fluid and every client helps dictate that, right? We have some clients who are very busy with their professional lives and we have to go chase them. Um, we don't try to dictate what that's going to be, but we want to make sure we're accessible whenever our clients want us to be accessible. And we try and infuse that within the firm as well. Uh, sometimes that's responding to something on a Sunday night saying, hey, got your note, I'll get you tomorrow uh, when I have a bit more time. But you know, we wanna make sure that we're gonna be available to our clients uh, when they need it, when they have an issue that, that they're looking for us to give some attention to. That makes a lot of sense. What, um, if you're going after, you know, entrepreneurs, first generation wealth, how are you tapping that target market? How are you getting them in the door? How are, how are you finding them? It's a, obviously a competitive marketplace for the, those types of clients. I think one, we are, our client base is uh, largely can act as a sales force for us. So what we want to do is create a really um, 
a wow experience for our existing clients so that they feel comfortable um, sharing their experience with other entrepreneurs in um, a very positive way. And so we get those opportunities largely through our existing client base. The other is through our centers of influence. You know, I think that's quite common, but those uh, centers of influence, CPAs, estate planners who understand, um, you know, our focus on expertise and also just an excellence in, in delivery of broader asset management and wealth services. Um, those would be sort of the two main areas. Is there any other that you think of? No, we uh, our, our sort of our tagline is going beyond expectations, and we try and live that every day. And in, in some cases, the industry as itself is sufficiently lowered those to make that easy to jump over. But it's something that we truly believe in. We want our experience, our client experience, as John said, to be a wow experience for the, our clients and to have them understand the problems we are solving for them. Um, because their neighbors, their friends, their co-workers generally have some of the very same problems and uh, they're eager to introduce us to help solve those. That makes a lot of sense. And then talk about how I believe if I read it right, you're kind of quarterbacking the team of professionals that is serving that client. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Sure. We've always had a team approach here at Crestwood. So that includes three professionals. One, a portfolio manager, and Michael serves you know, in that role sort of as part of her broader, his broader duties. But these are generally uh, chartered financial analysts uh, in that role. Then we have uh, wealth managers or wealth, uh, wealth providers who generally have a, a certified financial planner designation. And then there's also something known as a, a client advisor that supports the relationship. So there's a triangulation there in our engagement with clients. Each um, has a different perspective, perhaps a different expertise. Uh, that we bring to the client dynamic. And it's quite powerful because it enables one that we have a continuum of dialogue around various sort of expertise. You know, they think, you know, um, no one's going to come to me as a wealth manager to ask whether, you know, this particular stock is appropriate or that company that should go to Michael and other uh, questions or engagements that we have with clients. Um, But we want to make sure that we're tying it all together as a team. That segues perfectly into my next question. You've got quite an extensive team. Can you talk a little bit about how you built it? And then, of course, how you attract and retain talent in today's environment? Yeah, definitely. I think in that, that, that model that John just described really helped in supporting the growth of the organization and the team um, for people joining us as well. You know, we're able to create a career path for people at Crestwood Advisors as relationships mature, as professionals mature. You know, we're able to move parts around to best serve that client. And in many cases, that involves someone like myself or John extricating ourselves from the relationship so people can give that much more time and attention. And I think that that sort of growth trajectory is something that, you know, a lot of uh, new folks who are looking to build their career uh, appreciate and value in us. And I think, uh, you know, we have always described our firm as having a growth mindset. We try to grow this organization because it's, as John alluded to, it's a competitive market out there. And uh, our clients do, are, are expecting and deserving more and more. And we need to make sure we can afford the resources to, to best serve them and provide the career path for uh, other professionals within our, our organization. And I think we benefited from that today because whether we're attracting people from very large organizations where half their time is spent on on things that aren't related to the client and other attracting uh, professionals from smaller organizations who see their growth as being limited because some of the uh, the folks who may have uh, created that organization or are still involved um, uh, do not want to release themselves from client relationships. 
That makes a lot of sense. How do you communicate what that career path is to a potential hire or, you know, acquisition? Well, I think it's something that is really demonstrable within our organization. I mean, we've had people that started uh, basically at the front desk who are now very senior people within our organization. And we've been able to to highlight individual roles within our firm of how they can progress from, from one to the other. Nothing's a given. Everything's earned. You know, frankly, everyone at Crestwood has the opportunity to become a partner at Crestwood someday. Again, that's something that, that needs to be earned and demonstrated. But I think you know, one of the things we're most proud of at Crestwood is being able to see those people, someone who started in operations and are now in a client-facing role, someone who started uh, in our research department, who's now one of our terrific portfolio managers, and to bet as their career interests and their expertise develops, we've been able to create that new role for them within our firm to take most advantage of that and not lose those, uh, those people to other uh, competitors or people where they couldn't have that growth opportunity here. Um, how did you pivot during the pandemic? Uh, <laughs> That's a complicated one, but I think we invested in a lot of technology prior to the pandemic. And, you know, we have a very motivated you know, workforce and our colleagues. I think we, we probably, like most other firms, kind of just got our sea legs, you know, within the first couple of days or weeks of that. But we were up and running uh, very successfully. And I think our business model sort of generally, I think with the wealth management industry, but for our firm, with our embracing of technology, we were able to really be, provide a seamless engagement with clients. We couldn't do the in-person, which we so value, uh, but moving over to Zoom and other platforms and continuing to stay motivated internally with our own internal communications uh, proved to be quite uh, successful as the firm continued to grow client assets and client relationships. In the United States. Yeah, no, we're just very fortunate to be in an industry that, that has that sort of portability. And, and again, the investments we made in our cloud technology prior to the pandemic have allowed us to move quite seamlessly to that. And our whole firm is set up that we can take our laptops, plug them in at any desk, in any office at Crestwood and be as productive as if we're in our own offices or at our home offices during the pandemic as well. Now, talk a little bit about how you market your unique positioning and suite of services. Well, I think that goes back to your original question, Seth, and really around sort of differentiation. You know, we need to make sure that, as, as Michael shared, that we need to be uh, continue to grow, uh, obviously, for, to enable opportunities for our colleagues and to bring those services in depth of services to the clients who are, you know, becoming more and more sophisticated. So I think the short answer is we need to be dogged in our internal approach to uh, delivering, you know, value and then making sure that that is realized in the client experience. Client experience receives that, feels, embodies that, feels good about it, shares that with others. You know, it's not terribly complicated, but, you know, where I think you have perhaps some firms that have more of a sales model and like they try to do this or that, you know, we're trying to focus on delivering it just an, an optimal, excellent experience for the clients we serve. And then they can share that with other people. And that's been quite successful. You know, we work in our growth as a firm. We know it's not just one person's responsible for that growth or another person. So there's a collective effort and a real dynamic here that's kind of unique relative to our peer group. Uh, that this is a full-on group effort, uh, you know, to not only make sure we have current clients who are happy, but then also that we enable the opportunity for future clients to come on board. Absolutely. How often are you touching your clients other than portfolio reviews, performance updates, and how do you touch them? What forms of media are you using? 
Well, we, we certainly, you know, are contacting our clients, whether it's in person, uh, over the phone, email. Um, you know, we do that at least monthly through some regular email communication. Certainly LinkedIn is an important tool that we use as well to, to interact with our clients. But at the end of the day, this is a personal business. And those types of touches are sort of affirming all the other work that we're doing. They simply do not replace uh, the individual conversations. And, and sometimes those are because it's at the convenience of the client best held over the phone or over Zoom. But as John highlighted, we very much enjoy spending time with our clients and investing the time in it because we just are able to get more information from them that makes our job and our services that we're delivering more relevant and we can do a better job for them when we're spending that time when things just come out uh, that sometimes are difficult to get from a, excuse me, a scheduled Zoom call or a scheduled phone call. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're not asking for any, obviously, we're not giving away any investment advice on this podcast, but just out of curiosity, what are you telling your clients now in terms of market and economic outlook? Sure. This is, uh, this is a tough time. This is an economy in transition, for sure. And uh, we're, what we're describing is that we're in the early innings of this shift from, from plentiful and free money that made a lot of things successful investments to something that is money is, is becoming tighter and becoming a lot more expensive. And that makes some investments um, less uh, worthwhile. And you've seen that with some of the more speculative pieces of the, of the investment landscape, right? All those terrific growth investments where they're going to invent the perpetual motion machine, that needs a lot of money to fund the, those, uh, those uh, investments for that future growth. And that just became a lot more expensive and, and perhaps uh, less, uh, less real. So I think that we're encouraging our clients to buckle up. We're going to experience some prolonged periods of volatility, both the good kind, like we experienced midsummer when stocks were up double digits, and the less fun kind, like we've experienced last week when stocks were quite weak. But that type of shift takes some time to go through the economy. It's like us uh, that, that may have a variable rate mortgage, right? Mortgage rates are up, but as long as our rate's down, we're doing okay. But at some point, we're going to have a higher rate mortgage, and that's going to alter our household budget. So it's just going to take a little time to work itself through, and uh, we need to be prepared to absorb that volatility and, and live with it and make adjustments along the way. With all the success you've both achieved for yourselves and for the firm and for the clients, what's your biggest challenge now? Boy. <laughs> well, I think you know, we look at this with, uh, as an opportunity more than even challenge. I think the, the opportunity that Michael and I see ahead is still green field. You know, we often use the analogy that we're sort of running from first base to second. There's a lot of room to continue to grow, but that is investing in talent and technology and services and ensuring that we have the firm that can meet the needs of the entrepreneurial clients that we want to serve, which is generally more sophisticated, but also wants and, you know, a very personal relationship. This is not a transactional kind of engagement that one gets at Crestwood Advisors. So we also want to ensure that the next generation of talent is empowered to make decisions because we won't always be here and ensuring that they have a place that they can be comfortable in growing their career. That's really important, the continuity there. Um, those would be the largely the things I think I see anything out of that. Yeah, I think the Collective Crestwood has made the results of our effort look relatively easy. And, and, you know, when John and I and others started this company, you know, we started with zero. And so there was a certain amount of desperation in client service and, and going out and seeking, uh, you know, the types of clients that we could build a business with. And we've been very fortunate from that. And thankfully, so many others have contributed beyond the two of us. 
But I think that one of the biggest challenges we have is infusing that sort of younger generation, the younger professionals to to mature into the roles where they can really own the relationships and contribute to those relationships. And certainly John and I don't go to every single client meeting, that's for sure. But, you know, the idea that they they have the, the skill set to really help drive the business going forward in a meaningful way and, and take it well beyond what we ever imagined it could be. Can I just add one thing to that, Seth? Because I think what the pandemic has created some challenges around that internal engagement, mentoring, you know, um, grooming additional talent. I think we're eager to be back and, and to have those opportunities to, to engage in person with our colleagues to really help foster that growth and really kind of reignite that uh, those opportunities as well. Your passion is obvious. What do you both like best about what you're doing? Oh, it's it, just the, the clients and the people that you meet and actually their colleagues here. I mean, everyone who's done something uh, uh, to acquire some level of wealth is, is done something fairly interesting. And, and just having the experiences and learning from them has been, been fantastic. And we're very fortunate to work with just wonderful people. Yeah, the only thing I could probably add on top of it is probably this is the energy we get. And I think you kind of said it just a little differently yeah. is that the energy we get, the vitality from the clients we serve. And then also, really, I, I think our wonderful team that we have here and that, you know, that will continue to grow. We get a lot of, I think, um, passion. And also, we're, you know, I think if you could use the term proud, I think it's fair to say we're, you know, we're proud of sort of like where we are, but also the knowing that, you know, it's not just the two of us here. It's a lot of people that have brought us to this place and where we're going to head in the future. Well, we greatly appreciate your time. We know it's incredibly valuable. This has been Seth Green with Michael Acton and John Morris of Crestwood Advisors. Check them out at crestwoodadvisors.com. John, Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time.